Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK, Independent Louisville, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Wherever you're listening from today, please do hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you're at a place like iTunes or Podchaser, uh, we'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review as well. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, I am talking with Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders. There is a lot happening with her year, there is a lot happening in this interview. We're going to talk about her brand new art book that's coming out in September called Adding the Blue. It features 200 original pieces of art that Chrissy has painted. We're also going to talk about animal rights. She gives us a scoop on two new records coming out, Bow Bone Woe and Hate for Sale. And we'll head back to the 10th anniversary of the Pretenders record Break Up the Concrete. We also talk about a couple of her friends, Richard Swift and Dan Auerbach. It's Kyle Meredith with Chrissy Hine of The Pretenders. Hello. We are so excited to have The Pretenders uh, back in Louisville, the Louisville Palace. That's just next week on July 3rd. It's a homecoming for me because I lived in Louisville when I was a baby. I had no clue about that. How have yeah, I never no, heard of it? No, I forgot that? myself because I was a baby. But um, I always, my parents always referred to it. My dad was in the Marines. Well, um, I know there's some music stuff to talk about, but I feel like this year is also busy for you in the non-music world. I wanted to ask some questions about um, some of the other stuff you have going on. First off, the, uh, the book of art you have coming out in September called Adding the Blue, 200 original works. This is a really cool story because... It, it, these are. This is sort of a recent thing for you, right? Well, it is and it isn't. I, I thought that would be what I'd be into since I was a kid because that's the one thing I could do naturally. I wasn't good at school. And then, of course, I grew up in the 60s, so I got totally waylaid by rock and roll. You know, once I started listening to the radio, that was game over for the painting. <laughs> 
And then I went to Kent State University, but I was a dropout. I didn't really go to classes. I didn't um, study anything except pop and music. And then I left the States, and I got into music and completely forgot about it. So just a few years ago, I, I thought, why am I still thinking about painting? I don't even know if I can paint. I've never done it. And I started, and once I started, I couldn't stop. Wow. Like naturally coming back to you in a way. Oh, uh, well, it's just what I, yeah, it's like what I liked when I was a kid. So, I mean, I had to figure it out. I didn't even know how to clean my brushes, so I wrecked a few brushes along the way. And I didn't intend to put them in a book. It's this, there's this brother and sister, uh, Catherine and Nick Roylance, and their dad had started, he was a 60s guy in London, and he had this thing called Genesis Books, and I, I guess he did features on the rock stars of the day and stuff. Anyway, they approached me, and I gave them a few snapshots of a few of the paintings. I, to be honest, I wasn't really that interested in a book or anything. I was going off on tour. But when I got back, they presented me with this mock-up of the book, and it was so well thought out. And I said, well, you just do whatever you want. And that's what they've done now, and that's going to come out in the form of this book. Yeah. Now, is it, uh, it, it, are we just looking at your paintings in this book, or is there any narrative that goes along with it? it there's a bit of, you know, yeah, a little bit of narrative where they just, you know, kind of talk you through a few of the so yeah a little bit yeah yeah and and, and those two examples out there for us to look at and and they're really good i mean they're really cool you know i i don't have the proper lexicon i think to talk art completely but neither do i man i don't know anything about the art world i'm not particularly interested in it i mean i love paintings like everyone else i i'm in philadelphia i might go to the go to a museum today but i forget to go to museums or galleries it's not really my my scene, you know, but um, sometimes I enjoy it. I, to be perfectly honest, I look at a lot of this stuff and I just think you're just a phony. You know, I don't get a lot of these installations and things. I think, well, sorry, but that's me. I'm a, you know, I'm in a rock band. So part of my job is to be real cynical about everything. But um, I, for me, any any form of art, whether it's music or art, it, 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 the purpose of it is to lift me, not to disturb me. I feel I'm already disturbed. So, uh <laughs> But yeah, it's, it doesn't even need to be thought provoking. It's supposed to just light the room up a little bit. But that's just my opinion. What, what I'll notice, though, you know, the one thing that is sort of obvious on it, 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 just judging by those two that's out there, is they're sort of completely different in style. And I guess that's what I was impressed by. Like, are you drawn to painting in one sort of way, or is it just, you know, I don't know where, where the brush takes you? Yeah, I just get a blank canvas and start stabbing away at it. I don't have any preconceived. I mean, I started painting. It sounds very elementary, and it is. I started painting flowers because they're beautiful, and it gave me something to focus on. And I tried not to do too many portraits because that's kind of my natural propensity is to do that. And I thought, well, that's going to be too easy. And uh, and also with photography, we don't need portraits. Uh, but I kept doing those because they're like a natural thing, and I find it a, it's kind of a meditation for me. I just get into it, do it for four hours, and then leave the house and go have a sandwich or something. But, yeah, it's just a hobby. Well, I think there's something else, and I'll jump to the next subject here that, that's not a hobby, uh, something you've been very proud to talk about throughout your career, and that's animal rights. Uh, I was reading through your, I think it was Facebook or something the other day, and you were talking about a project that had to do with cows. Yeah, it's my cow protection thing. This is kind of what it's all leading up to and what I've been into for the last 40 years, really. And it's about, well, what it's about, it's, 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 an, it's ancient uh, Vedic culture, which is where yoga, all these good practices that were, are pretty commonplace these days, 
vegetarianism, this, you know, where the cow is considered holy, it's definitely been lost in our current culture, but I think we can bring it back. It's about small farming, uh, and the four principles of cow protection is, number one, you never kill a cow. Number two, calves must suckle from their mothers as long as they need to, six months or whatever. That's not how it works on an industrial farm, and that's what the vegans have a problem with. But I'm not talking about industrial farming. I'm talking about small farms. Number three, uh, the cows should be milked by hand. And number four is that the uh, oxen have to be given meaningful work, i.e. plowing the fields. Now, the first benefit of this very small farming uh, where nothing gets hurt and the cows are retired back into the herd and uh, they don't have to be preg- impregnated every year. It's a, it's a very natural, there's no artificial insemination. It's self-sustaining. There's, it's not a profit-making thing, so you'll never find any industry jumping onto it like they have with the vegan thing because they can't produce it cheaply. This is a self-sustaining just for the family that has the cows in the local community. But the, the thing that's really important about it right now is that on globally we're losing all our topsoil and any environmentalist knows about this anyone knows about it because everyone goes on the internet but the topsoil is what we need to plant crops and if we don't have any we're all going to starve so the great thing about this uh, small farming situation with cows is that unlike when you put 10,000 in a warehouse and they create methane gas which is what everyone's talking about if you have just uh, I don't know, 12 cows eating grass that we can't eat. They produce cow manure or dung, and that is what restores the topsoil. So if we start getting these small farms, we can correct the problem of the topsoil, and that's really what it's all about. Uh, that's that's what caught my, uh, my eye uh, in here when the conversation started was the environmental impact of, you know, just eating meat at all, you know, beyond even you know, what you're getting at with here. It's just the environmental impact, I think, was it blew my mind. Well, I mean, meat eating is so far behind me now. That's been over 40 years, or that's way in my past. Right. I mean, we're so far ahead of that now. That's like a, that's like smoking. You know, who right. does it now? Right. You know, it's 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 you know, I mean, and that, again, number one principle of cop protection is you never kill them. Uh-huh. So um, that's just not doesn't feature into anything really in an intelligent uh, argument of anything. So it's certainly not environmentally. It's the number one enemy on this planet at the moment of what's how we've devastated the you know everything the topsoil the rainforest it's all been chopped down for meat eaters so stop it i mean it's got to feel like such an uphill battle to get this conversation out there it's not only is it uphill but i'm, I'm bored stupid of this subject because i've been going on about it for 40 years but you know then also it's my subject and it's you know if you had one of those game shows where you have a panel you know what's your subject that would be my subject That's so it. you know i keep getting drawn into it well i I appreciate you enlightening me a little bit more. I do apologize then for, uh, you know, going over well-tread ground there. So No problem. I mean, you know, I'm writing a book on it, or I'm getting someone to help me to get some of the research on the history of cows throughout the human history. And, uh, you know, I've actually been dropped by one of the animal rights groups that I was a patron of for 25, 30 years because they're all anti-milk now. But I would like to qualify that by saying they're anti-milk because of industrial farming. And when you buy commercial milk, you are buying it from the meat industry. But what I'm talking about is the opposite of that. This might play uh, a little bit into, uh, I've heard you talk about new music a little bit as well. Um, And and the record you're working on, the title's called Hate for Sale? Oh, no. Well, that's not going to happen yet. That's going to be next year. That's just the stuff that I'm writing with James Wolver, my guitar player, 
Yes, that, that is a, the title. But the next album I have coming out is called Foul's Bone Woe, and that's a sort of jazz dub thing. That'll be out in the beginning of next year. Oh, cool. What's the, are you working on someone with that one? Is, yeah, that, that's that's a, finished. That's That I've been working on that for years because the guy I'm working with, Marius DeFries, lives in L.A. He's English, but he lives over there. So we just haven't, you know, I've done two albums and written a book in the amount of time that since we started that, but it's finally getting, fi- well, finished. So that should be out at the end of, uh, beginning of next year. I'm really interested to hear that. I mean, the way you describe that with the genres there, that seems like a, I know you're always, you know, striving to, to try out new sounds. Well, you know, actually I'm not. I'm pretty lazy and I just keep <laughs> doing the same thing. You know, I think I'm on the spectrum, you know, dum, 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 dum. I just do the same thing over and over, but... Um, you know, a new song always has, it's, you know, like the next day in your life, you know, you're still alive, so keep expressing it. But uh, this thing was started as a, I did a song in a film called The Eye of the Beholder, which had Ashley Judd and uh, Ewan McGregor in it, and this is about 15 years ago. And um, it was a, a version of a song called I Wish You Love. It's a French writer called Charles Fanet in English. I mean, actually, I'm doing it in French for this album, but um, that took me 30 years to learn how to do. But uh, it's a, with a big orchestra, and it's kind of electronic. If you, you could find that song, I Wish You Love, from the Eye of the Beholder, and that's, I think it was on a Pretenders album, too. But, uh, so it's more of that. You know, it's kind of trippy jazz, but um, with uh, this kind of, I don't know, psychedelic trance music arrangements and a big orchestra. It's, it's, it's pretty far out. No, if you don't mind, I'd still like to ask a little bit about the the, the one that comes after that. Then, but just and I'm it's it's sort of enticing that title, "Hate for Sale." Maybe it's low hanging fruit for our times right now. Uh, well, I don't know why everyone's saying that we're living through dark times because you know I'm, I've just got from San Francisco. I'm in Philadelphia. I've had a great experience here. I think we're in much better shape than we've been in for years. I'm not talking about any administrations. I'm talking about where we are. You know, just socially. Gays can get married. I mean, it's it's no longer, you know, if I had been, if I was gay, when I, you would only associate me with being a gay singer, a lesbian singer over the last 30 years. But in the last three years, if someone is uh, gay, no one even mentions it anymore. You know, it's a huge, huge stride forward for the whole gay community. Like everyone can relax now because really it's not an issue anymore. It's, it's, it's accepted. It's normal and everyone's cool with it and nobody's labeled by it anymore. I mean, I know this is early days for that, but that's what I've seen. You know, you can open a fashion magazine and see girls sitting holding hands in the front row and no one says lesbian couple. They just say, Oh, you know, they're going out with each other. We've had a black president. I mean, huge stride forward. In California, pot's legal. You know, I knew guys that went down for, you know, dealing pot and being arrested for pot. We all did. I mean, we weren't all arrested for it, but we all smoked it and it was always illegal. So, I mean, there's been really significant positive. I mean, I walked around Philadelphia yesterday and there was a lot of great little organic cafes and things. I went, I was in an airport two days ago and I could get something to eat. I haven't been able to get anything to eat in an airport for 30 years. So I think we're in really good shape. I don't know why everyone says it's dark. It's not dark, it's light. Well, I, I know it's for me, it's easy to get caught up in the sensationalistic headlines that, that get out there. Although I appreciate this because, you know, David Byrne has been talking about something similar. He, he does his weekly reason to be optimistic or, or whatever he calls it. Um, but, you know, it, I would beg to, to question then, what, does that title come from anywhere else specifically then? Oh, uh, Hate for Sales it sounds kind of like a damned song. It's, a, you know, a rocker. 
and uh, what is it? Hate for sale. He's got a curly tongue and a curly tail. You know, it's just it's a it's just talking about in general this kind of mean spirited commercialism, I suppose. Well, and the fact that you know it's potentially a double album. Uh... That's, I mean, for fans, that's that's seriously exciting. Yeah, well, that depends if we get enough time to. I mean, James and I started demos, but we, when we're offered tours, we always down tools and want to go on tour because we love going on tour. So, but uh, well, once we get that together, I want to record it. I mean, we only need a couple of weeks to record something, and we will record it with this band, which I haven't done in the last two albums because people have been busy doing other things. But this is. If I can nail them down for two weeks, we can record it with the band you're going to see. And now, do you know? You know, there was one record now that was just under your your own name with Chrissy Hine. Do you think that this is a pretenders record or a solo record? Have you thought that far ahead? The Chrissy Hine thing was just you know I was so tired of explaining that I work with the band and everyone said yeah, but it's just you and I was like well no it's not and then I thought okay call it what you want but it's always I always work with the band now I'm happy to explain it the other way around. <laughs> Um, certainly the Valve Bone Woe album, which is coming out, the Jazz Dove album, that's not a pretenders thing. Although James Wilburn does play on it, my guitar player. Mm-hmm. So, you know, nobody in any band has ever stayed together for 40 years. They fall out with each other in a way because my original band, two members died after we made our second album. I've kind of kept the music alive in the spirit of the band and kept the sound. But, you know, it doesn't happen to everyone, thankfully. But most bands do split. They go off and do other things. And, you know, I'm no different. But I only work in the context of a band. Well, I was looking, listening back to one of those recent records, uh, Break Up the Concrete, because it is the 10th anniversary year. Uh, look at that. And and uh, and I saw you mentioned that you might be doing a re-release. I didn't know if that was just because it was out of issue or you were thinking about expanding it or, or what. But it's a good I record. I never saw it for a while. I, don't, I think maybe it was out of – I don't know. I don't – yeah, I think – is it out of? Oh, I, I think it's still available. Or something or whatever they call it. Yeah. They deleted it. I don't know. Um, but that no, I love that album because that was recorded uh, with James Wolborn and um, Nick uh, Wilkinson. Martin Chambers wasn't on that just because we uh, did it in eleven days and we pulled it together very quickly. And Jim Keltner, who's you know, as everyone knows, is a you know one of the great guitar, uh, great drummers of all time. He played on it, and that allowed us to do it very quickly because he's a genius. And that's the way we'll record this next album with the band in the studio. It's what we call live recording. I mean, it's not live like a live gig, but you know, you do three takes of the song, take the best one, and then there you go, on to the next one. Well, I can give you the compliments on that record too. I mean, especially that one-two punch right at the beginning of uh, "Boots of Chinese Plastic" and the "Nothing Maker." Two of the strongest songs, you know, to kick off a record. Uh, I, I do love those. So, uh, oh, we'll bring them back. We'll bring them back for next year. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That really would. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we also have a, a mutual um, a friend. Uh, you more so for you, uh, more of a, an acquaintance for me and Richard Swift. And uh, I was uh, really happy to see you out there, kind of pushing to to help him out too. So, yeah, I oh, do you know Richard? I've met him. We have a lot of mutual friends, and I've been such admirer of his. So, like, I'm I'm the one that anytime I have been around him, saying like, "Hey, where's that solo record? Where's that next solo record?" Because I love his music so much. Yeah, Swift was working on a solo record, and he sent me some tracks, and they're just fantastic. One of the most talented uh, and loveliest guys I've ever met, and a real right hand man to Dan Arbuck, who was his best friend. 
And, uh, in fact, when we were in the studio doing the Alone album, Richard took a couple of, well, I call him, we call him Swift, took a couple of pictures on his phone, and I said, you're going to do all the photography for this. And then I saw him doing some drawings. I said, and you're doing all the artwork. So all of our images just all around super talented and he's not very well and I'm not really sure that he's uh, he's going to get through this so I would love to think that everyone could at least put in a nice thought for Richard and wish him well now that's uh, I, I really hope so too it's it's I didn't know the state of it um, it's really heartbreaking it really really is uh, such an uh, amazing well he's 41 years old and you know he's got three teenage daughters and they're all lovely you know he's a lovely guy I never saw him in any way as a negative or a dark person but he's you know a life of excess really caught up with him fast so let's all the best to swift and hope he gets through this yeah same here um i don't want to end it right there on that uh, uh, kind of dark note anyway but you, yeah, you it's kind of a bummer yeah you brought up dan and that record too the alone record was so good i know he's working tons now in his studio do, do you foresee you getting doing anything down there on his side of things have you guys talked about that i would work with dan in a heartbeat at any time i just love him i i love him as a guy i love his musical sensibility he's a great guitar player uh, which is what attracted me to him in the first place of course and you know he's just fun he never gets rattled he's He's upset at the moment, obviously, because of our friend. But, I, you know, he's a very... I mean, I knew his parents from Akron, Ohio before. I, I left Akron before he was even born. But when I'm with Dan, I always feel like he's older than me. He's just... He's just got something that's very authoritative, and uh, yeah, I would do anything with Dan at any time. I heard his dad's actually got a record coming out. You mentioned his parents there, Chuck. Uh, oh, really? Chuck Auerbach. Yeah, his, uh, Dan's going to be releasing a, a Chuck record. So amazing. Yeah. Well, Dan works with uh, you know he got Dwayne Eddy on my record. Oh, right, right. Which awesome, you know. It's just yeah, having that crew uh, down there. Yeah. Although I would warn anyone that listens to the, the Alone album, although it's great and Swift is all over it and Dan's playing guitar on it, it's 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 a blast. But um, my voice isn't very good. Just a warning. <laughs> because I had bronchitis, I could hardly talk. And I said to, to Danny when I got in, I said, I, I, how am I going to sing? I can't even talk. And he goes, ah, don't worry about it. We'll do it in the last three days. It'll make it sound cohesive. Uh, so, you know, if you hear me choking on some of those songs, you'll know why. You know, it never even occurred to me. I've heard that record dozens of times. It ne I never once thought, oh, but her voice. You know, just didn't occur. Yeah, well, I wasn't in very good. I wasn't in fine voice. I'm hoping I'll be in a better voice when I get to Louisville. We're looking forward to it again uh, July 3rd at the Louisville Palace. We share a wall with it, so it's going to be an easy trek for me. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. This has really been an honor for me, and I cannot wait to catch the show. Nice. We can't wait ourselves, so thank you, and we look forward to it. All right. Take care, Chrissy. Cheers. All right, bye. bye. Thanks so much to Chrissy Hine of The Pretenders for giving me that call there today. I cannot wait to hear all the music that she has in store for us. Hey, if you're at Consequence of Sounds at YouTube page, go ahead and hit that subscribe button to keep up with your favorite artists and interviews. Or for you podcast fans, iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you're getting this from, please do leave us a rating and a review. That'd be really, really awesome of you. Then you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. You'll also find some bonus episodes of this interview series over there as well. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.